Welcome to the next generation of Stay in the Loop with Lucy, a series of podcasts that introduce you to people who are willing to make a difference. Perhaps they will tell us about a service they run or a book they have written. Sometimes they will simply tell us about their life. And that's what this episode's about. May I introduce you to Kate Chorley? Kate is a powerhouse. Her willingness to uncover what makes her tick and what holds her back from living who she truly is has been inspiring to me over the years that I have known her. Kate has implemented those life lessons in her work as well. She works as a complementary health practitioner, a health coach, a counsellor. She manages to balance that with time spent at home with her husband and three children. Now, Kate was recently diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And in this episode, Kate brings us into her world and opens up our world to understand that there is so much more than quantity of life, but the quality of life that we can have in every moment. My name is Kate Chorley and in February 2017, I was diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer. I'm At the time I was 47 years old and didn't have any real symptoms except for some extreme fatigue. Uh, Got three children, ages 22, 19 and 14 currently and I'm married. For the six months prior to getting that diagnosis, I was actually, I actually sought the help of a naturopath because I really, I had an inkling something wasn't okay. And I actually went that extra mile to get other help because I actually was blaming myself. I thought I was doing something wrong. There was something in the way I was living. I, I couldn't put my finger on it. And I'd also in the previous years had a lot of pelvic pain and uh, like a lot of pelvic pain. And it was, it was actually diagnosed as uh, fibroids in the uterus. So I had a hysterectomy, but that may have also linked back as um, a symptom to that as well. And so there, there were signs I feel looking back, but as we know, you know, um, colon or bowel cancer is, is sort of seen as an old man's disease. And um, currently to um, the the bowel test is not available for people under the age of 50 anyway. So it, um, you know, it didn't occur to myself or any um, professionals to, to go down that road of any, route of any testing. And that's so interesting what you shared there about it's, it's seen as an old man's disease and here you are a young, vibrant woman. And when people see your photograph, they'll see that you are vibrant um, mm. with colon cancer, stage four. Mm. Yes, and it's interesting, I, I still am you know, two, two years down the track. So, yeah, I've been in contact and uh, with Bowel Cancer Australia and they've um, offered some support and they, they linked me up with a closed Facebook group of younger women with 
bowel cancer and um, it's so interesting because there seems to be more and more younger people being diagnosed um, of late of this cancer and um, there is definitely um, a community of, of women of people out there who are who are who have the disease yeah when I was first diagnosed I as I said I was stage four so the um, it was initially diagnosed as um, it had metastasized to my liver and I was initially diagnosed uh, misdiagnosed with um, liver um, inoperable liver cancer which was um, a bit hard to take in um, and then on further investigation um, after I was sent to the oncologist they did further testing and it was it was um, found that I had a one centimetre cancerous polyp in my sigmoid colon. And that was the, the primary site of the cancer. So the cancer in my liver was um, yeah, secondary. Hmm. Now, um, at first they, because there was uh, two large masses in my, on each side of my liver, it was deemed inoperable in the beginning. And what that meant was, um, you know, you may have, you know, six months, 12 months, two years to live, but all we can really do is offer you um, palliative chemotherapy, which I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that means. Um, it, you know, my understanding is it's 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 meant to make things more comfortable for the patient now as we as we went down the track a little bit further and as i had further scans and so forth the oncologist could see that one of the the tumors in my liver actually looked a different color to the other one and eventually they discovered that the tumor on the left side of my liver was actually um, is was actually benign, so that that therefore put me in a position where um, the tumor was operable. So I went, which was fantastic news at the time. Hmm. It was it was it, it it gave me and my family hope, and the the oncologist was was mentioning you know, or saying, you know, this a it's a possibility of a, of a cure. He used that word now, which um, which was great news. And I went in. We had um, I had obviously started with some quite heavy duty chemotherapy, which was um, it was really full on in terms of um, the the chemicals that I was being given. They did work in a sense to, um, they kind of halted this tumour in my liver. It sort of reduced in size um, from the centre. It sort of died from the inside. Now, it's important to understand that chemotherapy cannot get rid of these tumours. The only way to truly get rid of them is, is through um, physically removing, operating. Mm, I didn't know. And yeah, so 
so anyway, so I went um, with the plan was to have, um, I think it was six rounds of, of chemotherapy and then have the operation in an attempt to reduce the severity of the, the tumour before, um, before the operation to give it more chance of being a success. That period of time when I had the chemotherapy, there was one drug I was given that was um, like, it felt literally like I was having acid injected into my veins. I found it incredibly, incredibly painful. They, um, they ended up giving me morphine while before I would have this infusion and really it did nothing for the for the pain actually um, but um, and the side effects of that particular chemotherapy were uh, like I felt in incredibly sick I was um, getting terrible terrible migraines and that went on throughout the last two years the migraines and um, yeah, so by the time I got to the last round of that particular chemotherapy, um, it, it, the pain was so horrific. It just seemed to get worse with every treatment that they had to give me two doses of the morphine. And when my oncologist saw me, he said, I won't ever be giving you that, that type of chemotherapy. You just can't handle it. No. Which was, which was a huge relief to me. Mm. Anyway, I went... Um, went in and um, had this huge operation on my liver, which was to remove 60% of the right side of my liver. And recovered from that well. You know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a long recovery. Um, I was, you know, it was a couple of weeks and I was up and around. I, I was quite shocked at how quickly I recovered from that. And then in December of that year, I had my sigmoid colon removed as well as a precaution um, because at this point we were looking at um, at looking at a, a possibly trying to cure the disease. It's interesting you've used the word cure a couple of times and I can feel the hope attached to that cure. Um, mm. What was that like in the family? Was it sounds a smidgen like a roller coaster, which is why I ask. Oh, absolutely. When I was first diagnosed, I remember just going through. Of course, I went into absolute shock initially because these things never happened to me, right? Mm. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. So I would go through these waves of absolute panic and anxiety and um doctor googling like crazy and what's going to happen to me to these periods of calm and it was interesting it only took about i i, I think it was around three weeks of experiencing this extreme kind of roller coaster of emotions to coming to a point of settlement and almost, well, it was, it was like, it, I, I felt like I had no choice. Well, I did have a choice, but 
it was really important for me to feel at ease in my body. I did not want to feel this, these feel this, these waves of anxiety and fear. Mm. And so, what I realized was, I needed to accept this. And so I kind of let go and accepted it very, very quickly. And that was that was a huge turning point. And it was from that point forward that I was I'm I, I'm even in, inspired by myself when I think back and how well I I was with the whole thing. I, I was I was very accepting was at ease I wasn't why me poor me um, how did this happen to me oh my god my family it's it was it was very interesting how I chose to respond to what was going on in my body and it and in that it has given me and I, I know this is a bit of a cliche but it's given me incredible strength and an incredible solidness that's carried that has carried me through the whole experience because what happened was after um i'd had these two major operations the oncologist then went on to suggest that i have several rounds more of chemo it's termed clean up chemotherapy and um, then at the end of these um, the series of sessions, infusions, to have um, just a final follow-up scan to, 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 to note, you know, where I was at. And it was at that um, follow-up scan, that last, very last scan, or what was to be the very last scan in my treatment, that it was found that I had the cancer had actually now metastasized to my lungs and how it had done that was what we could see on the scan was lots of little nodules like tiny little dots like multiple nodules throughout both lungs with the largest one being around i think it was about 5 millimeters at the at the beginning and in that state with how, how they presented in my lungs, that is not an operable um, position. At first he wasn't sure, uh, you know, if they were cancerous, but I could feel instantly. I knew he knew and I immediately after seeing the scan and seeing all this, I went back into my initial sort of roller coaster shock state again, but it only lasted for this time, it only lasted no more than maybe a day or two. Um, but still remember at this point, we don't know if they're cancerous, but mm. so, so then, then there was two months of nothing where he said, just go and have a break. Well, let's see what these, what these nodules do and I came back after two months had a scan they'd grown slightly and the cancer markers in my blood had become more elevated mm. and so then that 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 then confirmed what they were 
And so from this point, I was then given, um, you know, he did, he did share with me, look, that we can't operate here, um, which means that I will need to be on the option I had was to be on chemotherapy for the rest of my life to, to, to manage, um, to, to manage these tumours. Because as I said before, unless they're operable or physically removed from the body, the chemotherapy cannot cure the, the tumours. And, um, and so at that point, I just, I guess I was resigned to the fact, I became resigned to the fact very quickly and accepting of the fact very quickly that my, my only choice was to really just have to go forward with chemotherapy ongoingly. And yeah, I was very, I was very, um, I don't want to say the word positive, but I guess I was, I was really positive about it. I wasn't, um, I was, okay, I'm going to do this. I once again came to another level of acceptance where, okay, this is what needs to happen. This is what I'll embrace. This is what I'll, this is what I'll do. And so I went forward um, with, with that. How did the people around you respond to your, your level of acceptance of everything that you've just described? People, I think, to be honest, from where I stand, I think it's been incredibly supportive for others. Um, particularly my husband and my children who, by the way, have been so amazing. My husband in the beginning was obviously absolutely devastated at this news. He's, he's uh, quite a bit older than me. He's about 12 and a half years older than me and had always thought he was the one that go, was going to go first. Um, you know, the pictures we carry. But um, so this was hugely um, shocking for him. And he went through his whole process of, of that. Um, and with me being quite solid, well, very solid, I think it was really supportive to him and, and really helped his process of accepted, acceptance. It really accelerated that because now where we stand today, when we got the second news of the um, metastases to the lungs, he handled that so much um, better, if I can say. He was, um, he processed that quite quickly and came to um, his own acceptance very quickly with that. And, um, and, 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 the, and, the, and the children, you know, while I was having the chemotherapy initially and I would come home and complain and say, I can't stand, this is awful and all the rest of it. They'd look at me and say, no, just stop, don't do it. And I'd always brush it off and go, you know, yeah, that's nice of you to say that, but of course I've got to do this. You know, I don't have any choice. And um, yeah, so, so when they heard the news the, the second time, They've, they've been beyond inspirational with how solid 
they've been and how I don't want to say okay with it, but they've been they've they've just been they've okay this now. Okay, we're doing this now. They haven't they haven't changed. Let me okay. They have changed. We've actually as a family, we've it was a massive wake up call for the family. It really shook all of us, and it's brought us a lot closer. We're a lot more responsible with how we are with each other. There's a lot more openness. There's there's more care. There's less yelling. <laughs> mm. um, you know, there's we're just we're just there's much more deeper appreciation for what we have um, and the love we have for each other. So that in itself has been an enormous gift. What's starting to emerge is a difference between healing and curing would you be able to share with us what your opinions of both are having when you look at your the your your um, experience retrospectively yes look i guess when i look around me at the other people that i'm in touch with that that have cancer that have stage four cancer and so forth the there is a huge focus or maybe almost a primary focus on curing it, fighting it, um, getting over it. It's, it's all about um, F cancer, if I can use that term, terminology. Mm. It's very, um, you know, it's, 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 it's evil. It's got to be, it's got to be conquered. It's, you've, it, as I said, you have to fight. And, um, I've never had that attitude towards the cancer I have. I, I see this cancer as it is being given to me as an opportunity to clear my body, to clear my being of so many things. Yeah, there's the physical aspect, but there's also there's there's um, ways of being that it's clearing from me and and what I mean by that is one of the things that has always stood out for me in my life is a lack of self-worth and through this process of having the cancer I can feel that lack of self-worth being healed in me by the way I am with myself and the deeper level of care I have for myself and the honouring and the appreciation that I have for myself. So that's one aspect of what the cancer is offering me. And it's just, it's, it's, it's offering so much in every area of my life in terms of me re fully being able to reclaim all of who I truly am and it's like a, a returning to something sacred if I can say that something precious in me the essence of me is starting to emerge more and more as I as this cancer is allowing me to deepen into that and to release those ways of being and the packages of energy in my body that are not me 
And so I know that my perspective is of cancer and of this cancer is very different to what I see around me. But I do know that every time I walk into see my oncologist and I'm in the waiting room and I'm sitting there and people, I can feel people clocking me because I know what I bring into that waiting room. There's a different, I'm in a totally different energy than everyone else sitting there. It's almost like I'm the white elephant in the room. It's like everyone can see it. You can just feel them looking at me. It's like, where is the person with you who has cancer? What are you here for? Mm-hmm. Because when I, and, and this is no disrespect to the people in the waiting room, but I remember initially going in in the beginning and I'd look across the room and obviously it's very crowded because a lot of people have cancer these days. And there was, there's, there's a generalised grey given up kind of pallor to the people. And I just don't have that. I, I have felt a much greater commitment to life and a much greater purpose in my life since being diagnosed with this disease. I've almost done, I've done the opposite of what, what most people do with stage four terminal cancer would be to just, well, you know, give up basically and there's not much you can do so just go and have fun and eat what you want drink what you want party just do whatever you want and I'm actually doing the opposite of that because the quality of how I feel day to day is absolutely primary for me and it has become more and more and more important as I have moved deeper and deeper into this journey. And so, sorry, I'm not, I don't know if I'm actually answering your, the questions you're asking me, but yeah. What are the decisions you've made now in terms of your health and the interventions that you're now having? After being diagnosed with the, the cancerous tumours in my lungs for metastases, I was, um, we started on um, the the lifetime chemo and that was um, about a year ago now that we started that and in the last few months I've, I've, I've had several meltdowns where I've just I've just felt like I've had this this really strong feeling where I just feel like I can't go on. It was kind of vague. I didn't, couldn't really pick, put my finger on what it was. And when I say can't go on, it did, I don't mean can't go on living. What I mean, what, what the feeling was saying to me, I can't go on with the way I have been living. Mm. Now, and so I, I, I would come out of these meltdowns and think, okay, well, I'll need to eat better or I'll need to do this differently. Or I'll need to do that differently. And Lucy, it was actually very difficult for me to live in the way that I wanted to live because 
I was fighting, I would have the chemotherapy and everyone knows it's, you know, chemicals, it's a toxic poison. And I'd have side effects from the chemotherapy and then I would have to, I'd be fighting against the side effects of the chemo. And so I'd find myself craving sugar. I'd find myself waking up feeling like death warmed up. I'd have no energy. I, and having said that, um, I have worked this entire time ever since I've been diagnosed, off, obviously at differing levels. Um, but I didn't feel great and, I would all, and I'd be kind of doing things um, to make myself feel, feel better. I'd be having terrible, terrible migraines. Twice um, I, had to, I took myself to emergency because or once I called an ambulance, I think, because the, you know, uh, the migraine was so bad. I'd have ongoing, um, I had a, a very, um, oh, very frustrating ongoing recurrent UTI, mm -hmm. which um, because of the lowered immunity. So I was on constant rounds of um, antibiotics, which was affecting my digestive system. And anyway, having these, um, having these meltdowns and I, I'd come back stronger and, 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 and a bit this time I was going to, I was going to, I was going to live, I was going to live better, make better choices. And, Eventually, after a few weeks, I'd fall off the wagon again because, again, I've got the symptoms. I'm struggling. And, and in that, I felt like I was kind of failing myself a bit and I wasn't doing it properly and things like that. And it all became, it was really starting not to get me down emotionally, but it was getting me down. And it was, it was starting to really affect me. And I had several of these meltdowns over the last few months and the last time I went in to have chemotherapy I remember I was in the waiting room and I could feel this energy come up in my body I was getting I was get, I was feeling really angry which is really unusual for me I was like I was thinking okay I must be frustrated because it's taking so long and usually I have to wait a fair bit there anyway I was getting really I could just feel this really strong emotion coming up in my body. And I just kind of dismissed it and thought, okay, just let it go. And I was taken through and I was, and, and, and when I, as I walked into the infusion area, I felt rage in my body and I just kept trying to push it down because it's like, okay, I've just come in to have treatment. You can't be enraged. Like what's going on anyway. So I, I, I was, I had decided in the previous weeks that because I was on a regime of immunotherapy and chemotherapy and I had decided um, the doctor had mentioned, the oncologist had mentioned, maybe we could do just immunotherapy. And so I had actually been refusing chemotherapy in the prior weeks. I, I just told them I'm not coming in for my appointment. I'd have chemotherapy once a week. And then every three weeks I'd have immunotherapy. So I wasn't going in for my chemotherapy appointments. Anyway, I came in for this appointment and they were giving me the immunotherapy and then mentioned, and I wasn't happy at all. And then they had mentioned that I would be also getting the chemotherapy. It was at that point I completely lost it because I said, no, I, I had said I'd not wanted this. 
and I ended up getting really angry and um, which I'm not proud of and swearing at one point. And I just kind of really lost it. And it's not like me at all to do that. I'm, I'm usually a great patient, easygoing, you know, chatty with the nurses. They did not know what was going on here. And anyway, they really heavily encouraged me to have this chemotherapy, which I flat out refused. Um, even they rang my oncologist and he, you know, the, I can't be forced, obviously. So I, I left and went and sat in my car and just kind of sat there. And I wanted to let this feeling come up. I wanted to feel what was up, what was really going on for me. So I just waited and let my, I just really surrendered and let myself feel. And just this huge wave of, of, of sadness came up. And I, um, I called a friend, I spoke to a couple of friends and it was in these conversations that I realised that I just didn't want to do chemotherapy anymore. It just wasn't true for me and that I'd been fighting my truth. To, to and, and yeah, so it actually hadn't been true for me for months to do this and now I was just coming to a point, I guess, of realisation where I could see that Maybe I do have a choice. Maybe I do have a different choice. Maybe actually I don't need to do this if I don't want to. It was like an awakening kind of. Anyway, so I went, they fast, because of my meltdown at the hospital, they fast forward my appointment for the oncologist. And I sort of went in there with my boxing gloves on, not, not because of him, but he's a gorgeous man, but because I thought, I thought I'd have to fight. I'd have to, you know, I was, I was going in there to tell him I didn't want to have treatment anymore. And I thought that, you know, I'd have to go into justification. There'd be whatever. Anyway, it was, it was really funny. It was, he was looking at his computer and I was on a swivel chair and I, I sat down and I said to him, I said, I've made a decision. I, I don't want to do, I, I, I want to stop treatment. He just said that and he just turned to me on his swivel chair and he just looked at me and he said I totally respect your decision and after that there was this moment of stillness between us and there was an unspoken understanding and he didn't even ask me asked me why he just just we just there was just an, an understanding there and he, then he said, how about we just monitor, monitor it with, with scans for now? And that's exactly what I was going to ask him. And I walked out of there quite shocked. I thought, wow. Uh, I, and I was shocked as well because not doing the treatment was never really given to me as an option. Mm. And... Yeah, I, I, and it's no criticism of the oncologist at all because I can see it's not how they're trained. Mm. It's not part of the repertoire. It's not part of what you really, I'm here to, to, to help you fight, you know. It's so, yeah, it was very interesting that that whole experience was very interesting to me and I left there. And I went home and told my family 
And because, as I'd said before, my children had said at, at points, they'd said, Mum, just stop. If you don't want to, just stop. They'd already been saying, we give you permission to stop in a kind of way. And when I'd come home and told them, they were there was no reaction, there was no huge conversation, there was, okay, okay, great. If that feels right for you, do that. And so there acceptance and love and holding and it was just has just been absolutely gorgeous and my husband as well um he had a moment to think about it he was actually walking out the door when I told him and he called me and said you know I, I told I, I want you to have the quality I want you to feel good he was actually it would really affect him when I was affected by the chemo, and I guess it was a relief for him too, to know that for whatever time I have left now, that it can be, I can, it will be of quality, it will be of true quality. And that's one of the main reasons I, I'm, I've made this decision. I can feel the um, stillness that you're, body went to really when you made the decision it's almost like this um i've got a picture of a water skier you know when they're being pulled by the power of the boat and mm. then you kind of let go and there's a little bit of movement in the water as everything settles and then you're just held by by mm. by the space of the water yeah yeah it's a beautiful analogy and i do feel so held every like all my friends everyone I've spoken to 100% backs me and not that I need backing but what I feel is I just I feel so held in this decision and not only by them but by by God if you will you know I just feel it just feels so true for me and I just I'm so I, I remember waking up the next morning and there was just this incredible settlement in my body not a drop of doubt and it was yeah it was just it just feels amazing I haven't doubted it for a second um, since I've made this decision and it feels like I can get my life back now. Sure, I do. Look, I'm not under any illusions. I know what this means if um, I don't have chemotherapy. But what the on a practical sense, what the oncologist did say to me that the um, the metastases in the lungs are actually very slow growing. So because um, they don't have the big blood supply of an organ like the liver. And so they can, um, it's not like the, it's just going to, you know, take me out instantly. It's, it's, there's a period of time where they'll grow and we, we just don't know what is going, what the cancer is going to do. It could metastasize to another part of the body, which would then mean something different. But what I do know is, um, but for me, I want to feel me. I want to feel 
myself. I don't want to feel full of chemicals for whatever time I have left. I want to enjoy my life. I want to, I, this is this is what I want. And, and this is what saying no to the chemotherapy is, has given me, is going to give me. And um, yeah, it just, it does. It feels like a new lease on life. It feels like, it feels like, wow, I can get back to work. I can do this now. I can do that now because I actually have no symptoms. I have zero symptoms of the cancer. I do, I feel, you know, like it. So I have this opportunity now where I can, I can get to feel great again. You sound Which, joyful, uh, Kate, joyful. It's I am so interesting to listen to you. The, whenever you talk about it, your voice lifts, it gets lighter, there's space in it. It's, it's uh, it's absolutely extraordinary just to not have a judgment as people listen to this not judge it just listen to what you are sharing and the and, and what's coming out of your body and mm. from you that's where we're going to get so much from what you're sharing yeah thank you, you. Ah, no thank you look you mentioned also um, a closer relationship with God. And, and I think we tumble through our lives and we have our reactions to religion or we have our reactions to what people present to us as religion or what we were forced to do as children. Mm. And we have this whole story around God and not God. And we get to the, to a, um, a life-changing decision or a, or a potential life-ending moment, whether it's in an accident or if it's a chronic illness or an acute illness. And all of a sudden, we have a stop that says, whoa, is the more, what is the more, what is this stillness I feel in my body? It feels grander than me. And it connects us to something that's multidimensional rather than the physio physical dimension mm. that we have made our entire life. I heard it when you said it. Would you maybe share with us if it feels okay about you know, that, that relationship with God that you mentioned? When I when I say God, I, I'm not I, I I need it's not it's not in the traditional sense or or in any kind of um, traditionally re religious sense that that I I mention him. For me, it feels it's like a um, it feels like an energy I'm being held in. It feels. It feels as though it feels I can feel God everywhere. It's everywhere, in everyone, in everything, all around us. And the more I open myself to feeling that, the more I, I do feel it and the more I see it. And the more I see and feel the reality of that, the more joy I feel, the more I feel that, and I know this may sound weird, but it's it's almost I get the sense that no matter what happens, everything's going to be okay. Mm. Um, that I I will never be alone, no matter what. That none of us are ever alone. That yeah, it's 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 hard to describe, but. What I do know is those things that I said, I feel, I feel very held 
the more I surrender, the more I let go, the more I feel that and the more I experience that. And it just feels like a warm bath. It just feels so beautiful and so incredibly, incredibly unconditional. It's like it's just there. It's not asking anything of me. It's not needing me to be anything, even in my worst moment. It's there, just there. I'm here, you know, whether you call it God or love or whatever the, the, the title you put on it, it's, it just feels like this ocean of energy that that I'm in, that we're all in, that I feel we're all in. You feel your next step is to go back to work and many would go, well, what about your bucket list? Have you not oh, got yeah. your list of things you really wanted to do with your life? Um, that I don't get that from you. I don't get the impression you're suddenly going to go oh my off. God. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, you know what, a, a few months before I was diagnosed, I'd said to my husband, I'd said, you know what, I'd felt a settlement at that point, a few months before I was diagnosed. And I'd said, you know what, I looked at, to him and I said, you know, there's nothing more I would want in my life. I really love my life I love what we have and for me what I love most about my life is my relationships with people that's what I value most highly and you know if if I were to die tomorrow it's not I there's nothing I don't feel I've missed out on anything I don't feel I'm going to miss out on anything and I know that's a huge statement particularly that I have children that may have their own children one day and that whole there's a lot of pictures around that but yes there's things I'd like to do we're going on a um, we're going on a trip to Europe um, but I don't need it mm. I don't need to do it. it it's nice that we can do it um, but I'm I'm complete. I'm complete without having these experiences of uh, yeah, it's 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 I feel complete within myself, Lucy. I feel everything that I need is within me. Is is with me. I can access it at any time in any situation i get incredible joy just chatting to the guy at the post office at um going for a walk um simple stuff i don't need more i don't need more i'm it's it's already all there it's 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 a beautiful feeling mm -hmm.